Today, we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. We've had some pretty solid action movie actors on the podcast, yo. Not many, but some solid ones. We've had Chuck Norris. We've had Charles Bronson, old man Charles Bronson. We've had Franco Nero. And uh, we had Wayne Newton a couple episodes ago. <laughs> but it was about damn time we got Jean-Claude Van Damme on the show. Now, we aren't honoring him since instead of facial hair in this movie, he opts for greasy mullet, which I can respect. No, instead, we are honoring the late, great, legendary actor, Wilford Brimley, who plays Uncle Clarence Duvet in the 1993 Bonking in the Bayou action film Hard Target. They don't make too many actors like Brimley anymore. This guy did some actual real damn work doing like tough guy jo odd jobs and shit, and he fell backwards into a pretty respectable acting career. I mean, I'm not sure if Hard Target was one of his favorite films he made, but it looks like he has a damn good time. So let's just get some, you know, let's start making some cheap whiskey in our backyard. Let's put on a red sweater and overalls and prepare to ride our finest horse in slow motion. Now play that shit theme song. Ugh. <laughs> Had a cough. <laughs> All right. What Brilliant. is up, everyone? <laughs> what is up, everyone? <laughs> this is Daniel Segura, host of the Mustachio Podcastio, and today I welcome a couple of first-time guests to the show. But just from listening to their podcast, Esoterica Cinema, I have a feeling they will be be back very soon. These guys are crazy talented. They honestly, I don't even know how I got them on the show. These guys know what they're doing, and I don't. <laughs> and you know. I, I can't help it. You know, I, I, if they don't like the experience, they'll probably stop talking to me. So maybe they won't be back on the show if it doesn't work out. But anyway, with me today, I have a couple of guys um, who just happen to have my two favorite white guy names, Jason and Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> white boy summer. Oh, man. Welcome to the show, guys. Bringing that Thanks, deep dude. Chet Hanks energy to the show for you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys can't see it right now, but both Ryan and I actually dreadlocked our hair for this program. I don't know why, because you don't do video, but we just thought it would be good to get in character. Yeah. <laughs> I no, like the visual yeah. aspect. I got some serious James Franco uh, Spring Breaker vibes going on right now. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing that Gary Oldman in True Romance vibe, if, if you catch me. <laughs> I, oh, we catch you. We catch you. <laughs> so but tell yeah, me. Dude, thanks uh, for having us, bro. Yeah, really man. For dude. Love your show. Like, actually, like one of the few ones that I just listen to because I enjoy it, dude. So we love being on here. Oh, thanks, man. I'm, I'm very... Just glad that y'all we were able to make the time for for y'all to be on here. Tell me a little like just as we kick off here. Tell me a little bit about y'all's podcast. Yeah, dude. So um, our show is called Esoterica Cinema. And in case you're wondering, yes, it, the films we look at are as obscure as you would expect on a show called Esoterica Cinema. <laughs> uh, as Ryan can attest, uh, there's. Uh, quite a few cocked eyebrows when we tell people the name of our show and you know part of that is because we just want to establish that like we're not the show that looks at like all of the mainstream films you know so if you're a sci-fi show dude you know you're looking at aliens you're looking at blade runner all these great films and those are great we love those films but there's so many programs that really focus in on that and so we wanted yeah. to really bring attention to some of like the lesser known films you know and, and admittedly i mean sometimes that works to our detriment sometimes it <laughs> turns out these films aren't really well known for a reason and uh <laughs> you know but either way it gives us you know you don't want to be a program that just gives five stars to everything and only talks about the films you love so uh 
So yeah, so it's kind of it's it's a lot like your show. We just kind of walk people through beginning to end. Uh, there's definitely spoilers, so we encourage people to listen to the movies before they watch them. Or what a lot of people like to do as well is, you know, there's there's always that movie where you kind of want to see it, but like you you just never get to it, right? Like back in the day, it was one of your two Netflix DVDs that would just sit in your house month after month after month, and you were gonna watch it, but you never did. For me, Schindler's List, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and then we also have another aspect of the show that ryan why did you tell him about oh uh well we we uh we started our show and then we realized very quickly that we didn't have any uh sponsorship or advertisements or anything like that so we decided to make our own fake commercials uh slash comedy sketches based on <laughs> the movies that we review so um you know part way through the, the each episode uh you know, you, you'll get interrupted and get uh, treated to Jason and I's finest take on improv comedy and sketch comedy and, and doing some bits and stuff, all in the name of uh, the show. So uh, it, it's become my favorite part of of the the podcast as we put a lot of work into into that. It started off as just like a funny thing because no one was listening, and then as we started to build listenership, it's like, oh shit, we should probably put some work into this. So uh, yeah, we did. Start people started looking forward to them. And you're right, like, oh, right. Oh shit, I gotta actually get prepared Ah, there's actually listeners now this sucks (laughs) (laughs) the pressure's on yeah one of the things we do right now that we're just doing until we 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 can't get away with it because hopefully we actually get a large enough audience is just blatant copyright infringement so to anyone who's listening that likes (laughs) sketch comedy and audio comedy which i think there's you know one other program that we found that's doing it it's not really super popular but i think sketch comedy lends itself to to radio and i think we're demonstrating that um oh yeah yeah yeah, but um but yeah, so like right now like we have sketches where it's like, you know, it's a Jerry Springer parody and we totally just like janked the Jerry Springer theme song from YouTube. Uh you know, we did like a, a Sarah McLaughlin ASPCA like parody. Um we've got uh also the uh, Sweet Sweetbacks badass song sequel as done in Lord of the Rings fashion. Um, So, yeah, so there's a lot of fun stuff like that that one day we're not going to be able to get away with. So to anyone listening that kind of likes comedy um, and especially, I mean, (laughs) I always tell Ryan, I'm like, dude, like our, our comedy is like not only based on specific movies, but it's based on specific movies that nobody's seen. So, like, we're making comedy sketches for, like, 0.03% of the world out there. (laughs) But that (laughs) 0.03% is going to love it. And if anybody listening thinks that they're among that 0.03%, check us out. Yeah, like one of our sister podcasts, uh, the Grindbin podcast, um, hosted by Mike and Bobby, they tend they every now and then it's not every episode every now and then they might have a little bit of a sketch and i whenever they do involve a sketch with luigi cozy the very famous uh, italian director i go in and i do the worst italian accent <laughs> <laughs> play luigi cozy it's a good time i i have a good time with it so yes if i'm ever on your show i would be more than happy if you have the space for me to do a little something with y'all a little sketch or something that would That'd be, yeah. be great we'd love to have you yeah dude absolutely we're actually so funny thing like we're actually kind of trying to take advantage of the time right now because we just wrapped up season one uh we we, we oh, do yeah. our show in seasons because there's a fair amount of production and also so ryan makes his living doing like awesome film shit for different companies and so he's always flying and jet setting around here there everywhere that's why he's been all over the place i have a boring ass desk job you know so i don't get to fly around but so our schedules are way different 
And yeah. if we literally had to do just like one a week every week, like we we wouldn't. It just flat out couldn't happen. So we've kind of got to treat it a little bit like TV where, you know, we have these, I guess they turn out to be like 44-week seasons or something or 40-week seasons or something like that. Um, but yeah, but we actually content. get started like several months ahead of time just because, I mean, this comedy sketch, comedy sketches can sometimes take even longer than the damn movie, even though it's like a two-minute sketch. And he's, yeah, you know, writing is hard. <laughs> yeah, we we I think with the the bin there's definitely not that much effort, but I am very I can't I can't wait to hear. I've heard a few, uh but I have not had a chance to listen to every single episode, so I I can't wait to to be able to check some of those out. And I noticed you do release some of them solo, right? Like all of them. Know, yeah. Know, right? As their own okay. tracks. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So in between uh releases of episodes, we put those uh sketches out as our own bits so that way you don't have to go searching through the episode for them if you want to find them, but Nice. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not not always uh, easy to mine comedy gold out of a tar- uh, Andre Tarkovsky <laughs> yeah. film from 1972. Like, yes. You know, yes. I, the I kids are going to love it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but when you do it as, you know, what did we do? That was, I think, Solaris Resort and Hotel. Yes, I it was. That was. So me and Ryan kind of take turns kind of doing the sketches just because we are on other sides of the country. So that was one that I did where I did it as sort of like a Disney World thing. And I actually, I'm not really like a musical dude, but I actually like pulled music you, you know, found one, some dude. sort of like royalty thing and then came up with like a melody and did a whole song with it and it's got like this really like cheesy like 1950s announcer like so um so yeah that was that, that was a fun one dude so i feel like a, i feel like today's movie would be a really easy one to go through i think we're gonna have a great oh, time i'd talking love about to make it. a comedy sketch out of heart <laughs> 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 i would love it i know i was thinking about that earlier i was like dude we should have planned ahead we really should have cranked out one like, for <laughs> for your show to have it, like, yes. a commercial break or something. Yeah, it's hey, it's not too late. You know, I'll have to do another much... one sometime. This isn't it. live. I mean, when is this coming out? Maybe that we still have some time. <laughs> Brian, did you just I sign got... us up for more work? <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it, but I got a busy schedule, bro. Like that's all you, buddy. You just I, signed I got up for shit. Good job. My season's over right now. I'm uh, <laughs> sitting at home and and I got nothing but time to kill to embarrass the both of us. I'll do it for the both of us. Send it my way. Absolutely. I'll definitely toss it in. Um. Oh, by the way, it has to feature i'm sorry to cut you off but it absolutely has to feature your best worst nolens accent because this film is damn full of them and we better yeah. talk about that oh, oh yeah yep. yeah no yeah. The, the creole in this in this movie is non-existent <laughs> i don't even know exactly what they're trying to do with it it's nuts yes i actually have a friend from ban rouge uh, from that area and he actually has he he does this thing where he'll play recordings of his uncle who is hardcore creole accent vato like this dude's voice is insane and uh yeah his voice is not in this movie like that <laughs> accent is not in this movie i i don't know how to do it but it's definitely not in this movie but i do always so, ask the guests why hard target like what made what made you want to talk about that movie uh, on the podcast yeah yeah, definitely. Well, so here's the thing, dude. So, uh, like I said, I wasn't bullshitting when I say, like, I actually listen to your show. I'm not doing that thing where you just say it to, like, kiss the guest ass. So, like, I was going through and I, like, here's the thing, dude. So, and I actually confirmed this with Ryan, like, 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 uh, separately off, you know, on the side or whatever, that, like, one of the most prolific mustaches that I think of, once you get past your obvious ones, you know, your Tom Selleck's, your Vincent Price, all those guys that you've already done, I think Wilford Brimley. And I know Ryan felt the same way. And so when I went through and 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 
saw that there was no Wilford Brimley episode, I was like, this is a travesty. I'm going to take it upon <laughs> yeah. myself, no, this keep this thing on my back, and save this man's good name because he has a hell of a mustache, sir. You are very, very correct, and, and it was on my mind. I was actually going to do a Wilford Brimley movie before he passed. Then when he passed away, I didn't want to force one into the show. I really wanted to see if a guest would bring one in instead of me doing a solo cholo or – telling a guest which movie we we're going to do i really do like the guest to pick the movie out so when you decided on this one i felt like this was meant to be because you're right <laughs> it is embarrassing and i should be ashamed that that his name has not come across this show so i am so glad that he is and he you know he is way more mustache than anything else in this movie even though he's full of facial hair the mustache is just so prominent it's gorgeous it's amazing holy shit um, well, and it looks like he was born with it. It's just like so natural that it just gets to rest there. And uh, you, you can't picture him without it. Uh, there's no way I could picture him without it. It, like it, it moves when he speaks. It's magical. Yeah, yeah it's and like, I'll even go a step further. Like he's actually one of those people where he just looks like he was born a 65-year-old man. Right. Like you just can't he came picture out him that being way. a young lad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He, yeah, you he just was born. The Lorax. It's just a smaller Wilfred Brimley. His face looks yeah. exactly the same. He came out. He came out of his mom. He's like, "Hi, mom. I want to give me some milk." Yeah. <laughs> He's had glasses on already. That's just amazing. Uh, uh, but this, yeah, but I do understand why though, because like when I, I actually when I was looking through his film list, like. It, there's it, there's not a lot of ones that really lend themselves to this kind of show with your type of vibe with the films that you look at. Like, yeah. I'm going to be like, Daniel, we're going to look at Cocoon. And you're going to be like, uh, that's <laughs> not going to work for my show, yeah. bro. <laughs> I did consider the thing for a minute. But all right. And, and cards on the table here, bro. Okay, here we go. You know what? I'll even go you. Here we, we go. Have, we have a, we have hold a on, hold on. Of, Give me one to censor this out before you lose half your listeners, just by the way, because I know where this is going. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he sounded like he was getting on a pedestal real quick. Yeah, yeah. You, can we mute him? Is there a way to mute? <laughs> hold on. Let me look. You know what? No, actually, Only now, in post. I'm going to save it for later. Continue. Okay. <laughs> wow. So you were like halfway up the pedestal. Then you took a step down. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. No, I like to save it. You know, I, if it was, yeah, I just. Are you like sure? Too on this. Yeah, because no, now there's too there. much attention called to it. So yeah. I, I got to take a step back. We got to move forward. I'm going to yeah. bring it in later. Continue, host. So a little history on how this movie was made. One guy was walking down Burbank with an action movie script taking place in the bayou. And he ran into another guy that was holding a political drama film about the homeless epidemic in New Orleans. <laughs> and it all came together and created this fucking movie. <laughs> it feels yeah. really, it feels very kind of like I think obviously John Woo John Woo was trying to do a little much a little too much in this first American release of of one of his movies but and that's what makes it feel a little bit hodgepodge and actually any listeners that have been listening for quite a while are very familiar with the storyline of this movie because it's really based off that 1924 short story the most dangerous game right um and we actually covered a nice tea movie based off that same mm. story which is surviving the game which came surviving out a, the game, right. a year later so okay Ice tea, you hack. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and maybe they were going at the same time, and it was You're one right. of those things where one studio beat the other. It was like the classic volcano versus Dante's Peak scenario. Oh yeah, because you know the guys that uh, toward the end of this movie, uh, the guys that are sort of the hunters, they look like stunt doubles to the guys from. <laughs> they Survivor really Game. do. So. <laughs> 
So it's basically that story, except they, they kind of add, to me, add a little bit more depth to it. It's just that the script really doesn't fill the depth they're trying to put into the movie, I guess, in my opinion. But I still will tell everyone, just kind of like what y'all say in the beginning of your podcast, go watch this damn movie. Because obviously there's going to be spoilers, <laughs> but either way, you're a fucking idiot. If, you're, if you want to hear us talk, <laughs> like we're not going to do it justice because this movie is an action movie and there's way too many awesome things that we might miss. Go see the movie. Hey, here's the thing. And if you haven't seen it, uh, qu quick pro tip, drinking game, every time there's a slow motion mullet twirl, uh, you <laughs> oh, have yeah. to take a drink. So you can make it fun, make it a game, and uh, <laughs> you're, you're going to be wasted by about a half an hour in because there's a oh, lot yeah. of slow motion you, mullet twirl. I had totally forgotten about the mullet that JCBD oh, yeah. oh, sports in this thing. We could talk Ooh. about 30 minutes, talk for 30 minutes about his stupid mullet. Uh, I had like, no um, idea. Because in all his other films, he's pretty clean cut, right? You know, with yeah. the top uh, uh, yeah. hair slicked back or whatever, kind of clean cut. But this was the only one I remember him with, the uh, the full-blown Billy Ray Cyrus. It kind of looks like brown sugar ramen noodles or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it by the way, of, was, yeah. that a, was that a combination mullet perm? Is that how yeah, there was something that way? Yeah, he was letting his soul glow in there somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, it is just it looks. It's wet all oh, the time. Wet. Yeah, no, so all the wet. time. Constantly. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and yeah. wavy. I'm like I said. I'm pretty sure it's a it's a mullet perm. I think he invented it for that film. Nobody else could ever do it justice again. So it just you know st stayed with him. <laughs> Did y'all have anything else you wanted to, to mention before we dig into this movie? Such I, as. I mean, I got a lot I don't to know, mention, any but, fun yeah. oh, but you, you want to hit we'll, it when we'll, we go through? Yeah, let's let's hit it as we go through. You know, let's all not right. get all the good stuff out at the top. All right, well, let's dig into this movie right after this message from our featured podcast for tonight. All right, I'm sure that was a good commercial about a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I actually really love the opening of this movie. I dig the whole. It's kind of mysterious. We don't really know what the hell's going on. We know this guy's being tracked down. He looks a little like Chris Christopherson or something. <laughs> and you honestly, in I couldn't tell that this guy was supposed to be homeless. And maybe they were just trying to keep Not him mysterious. At all. Well, I, you know what's funny is I kind of thought that he was. But so here's the thing. So you you mentioned just a little bit ago about how it's very much like surviving the game, the whole thing. I had no idea what this movie was about. So I've Me never neither. seen this movie oh, before. Okay. And... By the way, the callback to earlier that I was waiting to bring out, we have a little feature on our show, okay? Yeah. It's just something we bring out from time to time, and it's called <clears throat> Cinematic, Cinematic Confessions. Cue the theme music. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very simply just like it sounds where one of us admits something that is is rather embarrassing about our film history usually something we haven't seen as is going to be the case right now i'm going to let you and your listeners know this is my absolute very first jean-claude van damme movie oh <laughs> yeah never seen it dude this was my i i'm 37 years old i've seen thousands of films and not one of them has ever been jean-claude van damme movie so I cannot I'm believe you. I mean, you. So, so basically, the times you've ever seen him, it's because maybe he's on in the background or something, or have you just never really ever seen? I've yeah, no. This is as a matter of fact. I I, I texted as I was watching the movie. I texted Ryan at one point, and I was like, "Hey, this dude kicks a lot. Is that his thing? <laughs> is, is like is that, that his thing?" thing? 
I feel like as much thing. as he kicks, that's probably his thing. And he was like, yeah, bro, if you had seen the movies, you'd know that. Yeah, it's kind of his boy. thing. Yeah he's, yeah, he's amazing. I will also admit that I think you, I think the person that has every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, he's neat. He has to answer some questions about himself. I I I don't. I've never seen every Jean Claude Van Damme <laughs> movie, and I think that's okay. I think it's important to watch the ones. My favorites are the ones that actually. One of them I just experienced. I will admit I've never seen uh, Sudden Death, and Sudden Death is a really really fun movie. And honestly, I might like it just a hair better than this one, but it came around the same time as another 90s Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, and it's so damn... He beats up a mascot, a hockey mascot. <laughs> it's so fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, l- let me ask you real quick. What, what, are, you, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on John Woo as a director uh, I, coming I into really this film? I really need to watch more of his Hong Kong stuff. I, have, I will admit that I've, I've never seen uh, Hard Boiled. Uh, okay. Which is sad. Same, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I want to see it. The Grindbin actually just covered it recently, so you can go check it out. But I have not seen it. I, it's one of those movies that I know I should see it before I listen to a podcast about it. So, but other than that, the the the, the movies I've experienced from John Woo, I like what he's trying to do. A lot of times, obviously, loves westerns. Uh, just from the vibe of what he does, a lot, a lot of standoff moments. Uh, the slow motion stuff gets a little. Uh, I don't want to say. It's done a lot. I don't think it's hacky. I just think it's done a lot. And it, but right. but damn, when he gets it right, the slow motion is dope. Like it just well, got it's got to be on the right time, you know. And, and also, it's, homie likes doves. Yeah, uh, he's like obsessed with doves. Doves dude. and pigeons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so weird. Like it's just like they're like John. We're having problems with this scene. He's like, I got you, fam. Bring out the pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. <laughs> Were you gonna say something, Ryan? Uh, well, I mean, just that um, slow motion now with new, you know, with digital is is so much easier to do. So we see it so much more often now. Whereas I think back in you know the late '80s, early '90s, it was maybe a little more for dramatic effect when you oh. saw it in action movies. It wasn't quite a trope back then uh, to do you know different ramping or, or or shoot at different frame rates. But oh. uh, yeah, now it's definitely you know way 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 explained. Yeah, we've same, exposed same thing to with it Dutch angles. Much. You know, like yeah. uh, you. You used to see Dutch angles a lot. Now, you know, everybody hates them because it's such a trope. But, uh, you know, you see some of these things in older movies and we all laugh. But at the time, you know, it was done to great effect. And John Woo was kind of the pioneer of a lot of these things that, you know, all of a sudden we started to see people like Michael Bay doing in movies like The Rock and, uh, you know, Armageddon and other things like that. So, uh, Bad Boys, Jesus, you know, lots of slow motion running away from fire and all of that. A lot of these things were were born out of, you know, some of this cinema coming over from Asia from people like John Woo. So, um, and, and, you know, action stars like Chow Yun-Fat, who isn't really um, an action star like you would think he would be, but uh, he's kind of like the Bruce Willis of action stars, where he's not like, you know, super jacked, he's kind of an everyman, but uh, always finds himself in these heroic situations. Uh, but Chow Yun Fat was kind of uh, John Woo's guy. I oh, yeah, I really him. liked. Uh, I'm hit and miss with John Woo though. I'm with you. I, I like the killer. I like Hard Boiled. I like some of the things he uh, did. I, I I liked this movie for what it was. It was nostalgic. It was a fun romp. It, it <laughs> kind of took me back to my childhood. Uh, Broken Arrow. Jason had to remind me was a piece of shit. I was kind of remembering that maybe a little better than I should have. Yeah. Uh, Face Off. Eh, you know that was pretty I good. I recently that... saw that. Re- like okay, I. 
still love that fucking movie. I'm yeah, like, Daniel, I can't I'm help with it. you, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, bro. I love that movie. It's fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. It makes no sense, but it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it, it's he did the best he could with with. I mean, it's just like it's an off the rails film, and uh, yeah. Nicolas Cage going full Cage. Oh, I mean, yeah. this was it was yeah. one of those movies that. So now I have this obvious weird habit of when I'm watching a movie that I know I'm digging. I'm looking for stashes, baby. There you go. And I, I really couldn't find one that was really, you know, just give me the right vibe for the show. So Face Off <laughs> will probably never be on the podcast, deal, oh, but it is man. so much fun. I love it. Yeah. Um, but yes, this movie, I think it captures a lot of those John Woo, uh, 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 I guess, his the skills, man. The guy brings his skills to this right. movie, and, and he, yeah, yeah. he puts them out for display. He showed us what he was about. Yeah, he it's came amazing. out swinging. And I'll tell you, getting back to the film, and, and not to – I know we kind of got off course here for a second, but as the credits were rolling, I remember going into this film as I was ordering it and going through the process, and then it, it started to occur to me, 93, I'm, and then I'm seeing – you know, I watched the trailer for it, and I was like, man, I just want some like – really sultry saxophone out of this and <laughs> god damn it if it wasn't five seconds into this shit some sultry saxophone Fuck kicks yeah, in and I, I got so chubbed up over this oh, fucking movie man. right away they just he won my heart over yeah. <laughs> so quickly i was like well that didn't take long let's do work yes. son i'm in the musical so transitions in. are on point for sure dude that yes. was some like careless whisper shit dude oh. it's just like like sultry cityscapes some la law hill street blues i mean it was just that swanky uh let you know right away you're in for some shit and i'm like and they kept bringing it back too just just when you forgot about it like that sax would come swinging back in and you'd be absolutely right dude yep (laughs) and i do love the fact and we haven't mentioned him yet but i do love the fact that the mummy is in this movie arnold voslo um that guy is pretty kick-ass and then of course you have the great with his Lantern. native accent by the way oh, which i did dude, not expect that's the, oh, yeah. that's the 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 assistant guy to to yep. lance henriksen yeah. yeah yeah he's emotep oh dude i could totally picture that now i did not put that together oh dude, what the yeah. hell was that guy's accent by the way he's south african Yes, but I don't he know is, what he was uh, trying to do in the movie. But I don't know what he was trying like... to do in the movie necessarily. <laughs> he's maybe? South African, uh, but he's got Dutch, German, Swiss, German, Danish, French. Uh, I looked this guy up because I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, what the hell is going on with this guy? But he's a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, like, he's got. It reminded some... me of like when you did the uh, the the Doctor Valmer sketch from A Cure for Wellness. What's his nuts <laughs> kept slipping between German and British? Jason Patrick. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, or a little bit of Robert Pattinson in the Lighthouse, going from uh, Southie <laughs> to British to just Robert. Pattinson. Yeah, yeah. Some, some, you know, when you really look for it, you know, when you're trying to do comedy, because much in the same way you look for mustaches, I think we look for like voices and like setups and characters that we can do for our comedy sketches. And sometimes you, it really brings attention. Like accents are not consistent. A lot of actors, they kind of slip slip in and and out. out It It makes me feel a lot better about my voices. It's got to be a lot of something. It's got to be something to do with the shooting schedule. Like you're, you, maybe you really didn't get that accent going until like this, you know, to this portion sure. of the movie. And that's right. All the the first few scenes, and especially yeah. if it's not shot in chronological, you know, chronological order, the end of the movie you might sound like complete garbage compared to the or beginning. even reshoots. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know what he was trying to do. He should have just spoke with his <laughs> South African accent. Like, why the fuck are you trying to fuck with it? Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And oh man, Lance Hedrickson just fucking chewing up this film like oh, right? gummy bears. He made bro. he helped make this movie for me. He is so good. Oh, I love yeah. Lance Hendrickson. Dude, awesome. by the way, he is okay, he is the most intense like 
classical, relaxing classical music piano player I've ever seen. Really? Like that's that entire sequence where he's like playing this really nice piano song. Oh, yeah. But like through, oh, in right. his face, he it seems like he wants to just destroy and tear down everything around him. Yeah. So it was like a really interesting juxtaposition. It would have been so dope if the if the the camera panned behind him as it rotated around the the, the piano and just someone's blowing him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still just as pissed yeah, off Yeah, he's it. just not even reacting. He's like, I feel nothing. I feel nothing. <laughs> that was the original draft of Swordfish, by the yeah. way. <laughs> it's just it's just the mummy blowing him down there. Oh, <laughs> they man. have more sexual tension than anyone else in this movie, I swear. Those yeah. two guys were definitely, there was something there. There was a spark. There's a little spark there. <laughs> a little bit of a spark. Because yeah. there yep. definitely ain't one with anyone and Jean-Claude Van Damme, that's for sure. There, there's nothing happening there. Lance Henriksen's heart is the real hard target. You're oh. right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, oh, so man. we do find out that basically they we we see this guy get killed, and we his his daughter comes into town. She's looking for him. Apparently, her name is Natalie or Natasha. Natasha, maybe they call her Nat. But apparently, she's had connection with her dad. Like they've messaged back and forth, but he she hasn't heard from him in a long time, and it was all through letters and shit. And she finds out he's homeless, which is a total bummer. I couldn't imagine going to see your long, you know, your dad that you haven't seen in like a twenty bummer, years. Get it? You say he's a bummer. He's a total oh. bummer. Oh, <laughs> Just bumming around. But come on, but, man. <laughs> I don't. By the way, like I don't call him I, bums. I call him hobos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're socially conscious on this. Show. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, was it was it that like she knew him from younger because I thought that. She had never known her dad. I thought no, because she, was, she like, shows a photo him with him time. when she goes to see the cop who's celebrating her birthday by herself. <laughs> yeah, and she's, that was classic. Who, by the way, like she's lucky she's not in L.A. because the whole state would have caught fire her putting that shit. I was gonna say for, for an apparently intelligent cop, it really wasn't a smart move to put the lit candle back into the freaking desk. <laughs> that might be one of the saddest scenes I've ever seen shot in a movie, and I've seen pretty sad movies. <laughs> I'm just like, damn, man, her life is the. She's also she's like the friend of Jodie Foster and uh, Science of the Lambs. I always remember her from that. Oh yeah, totally. Yes. Um, yeah. She's, she's yeah, but she's celebrating her. She's celebrating her birthday alone, and she's got the cake with the one candle, and it's all sad and shit. And then she's like, "Oh, happy birthday by yourself." And then all of a sudden, uh, the daughter <laughs> comes in, and she's like, "Yeah." Nat comes in, she's like, "Have you seen my dead hobo dad that I've never <laughs> met?" And it like puts it all in perspective real fucking quick, which kind of shows us like, "Hey, you might be lonely right now, but you don't have a dead hobo dad." So. <laughs> And so it's it's here where she brings out a photo with her dad, and she's like four or five or something. Yes. So she definitely had him for a little bit, uh, and then her parents got divorced, and it's been 20 years. So I guess she's like in her late 20s or something in this movie. By the way, I looked up that actress. Not doing great. We, I, won't no. get, I won't get into it, but she's not doing great. Uh, maybe she'll have a big comeback. Uh, so Maybe. <laughs> and basically, we'll see. You want to start taking bets? <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna do like a celebrity death thing um <laughs> yeah is it like her tawny katan let's see who else is out there 
That might be a decent podcast. Really dark, but that might be a decent one. Yeah. The princess chick from uh, Neverending Story, whoever that was. Like, there's a bunch of people oh, out, yeah, there. Yeah. out there. Yeah, out there. Yeah. And this actually gets her to eventually decide to go see Jean-Claude Van Damme because she actually saw him before that kick the shit out of these dudes. And by the way, this is when you find out this is when you find out, Jason, that Jean-Claude Van Damme's ultimate weapon is his leg because he actually takes his jacket back. He unholsters his fucking leg. I have that in my notes. Like, it's the visual equivalent of, like, in the Westerns when you click the, the little leather piece off your uh, off the hammer of your gun. Like, don't make me fucking do it. It's insane. It's just surrounded by tight corduroy. Yep. Dude, by the way, is this I this movie must have been sponsored by Bugle Boy jeans. Like that's oh, totally. the only Yeah. It's just khakis and tight shirts tucked into pants with belts. Yeah. Way high. Yeah, well that was also that was also the nineties. I mean maybe it was like late eighties or early nineties. Oh, yeah. Like, before it was baggy, it was all like tight jeans and right. dudes. That no, was no, like, I, well the baggy I, stuff. I, I was is, there. Um, the suits. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I own these things. Like Henrickson. That's why I said it was sponsored by Bugle Boy. That's all a Bugle Boy thing. That was their whole image. And Hen- Henrickson yeah. and his guys are wearing those classic nineties. 90s like baggy ass suits like big old pants which by the way comes into play wearing baggy pants and we'll right. see i'll see <laughs> and so so that's that's that happens where he saves her basically because they these guys a random group of guys they look like they're from the beat it video or something they come through <laughs> and they don't look like they're part of any specific kind of outfit or nothing and they start one guy backhands or big old fight breaks out which is pretty dope so not a, not a bad sequence and he she he tells her to just take off like get the hell out of here but she remembers him because she needs someone to show him around town so she goes to see him and what is he doing he's at a a shipyard and trying to get a job (laughs) that was like weird it was like because the whole thing goes where you know she's like hey come with me and he's like you know no and i was like okay well he's gonna like you know just have a change of heart and go back and see her and then all of a sudden he goes to the the docks (laughs) And they're like, Pedro, you're on the ship. And I'm like, wait, this man's a sailor? What the hell are you talking about? Like, that's the last person that you would ever expect to see at the dockyard. As you can tell, because I think every every other single person at that at that at that dockyard that's waiting for a job is like a a forty five year old white dude, either overweight or underweight, and then here comes like Mister Handsome. And <laughs> well, this is where like, we're introduced I, this, to yeah, uh, this stretching for... reality for even for a movie that stretches the reality. Isn't this our first scene uh, where we get introduced to uh, Wilford Brimley? We see Wilford Brimley in this. We do see him there, yeah. Yeah, in, in this, uh, and I will add that everybody in this crowd looks like Wilford Brimley. Like, exactly. That's why I didn't <laughs> notice him. That was a Where's Waldo shit there. I didn't notice yeah. he was in that scene. They all looked like Wilford Brimley, and then there's Jean-Claude Van Damme with his wet-ass yeah. mullet and like his bugle boy khakis that are you know, high-waisted belt <laughs> and thin shirt with a trench coat. I mean, he looks posh for 93. The, the first and, name uh, that they call out, by the way, is Luigi. I'm like, there's a Luigi in New Orleans. <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready to go on the ship. <laughs> it's a me. I'm ready to go on the boat ride. <laughs> yeah, that was so weird, man. But he finds out... It's he... for when they go turtle hunting, right? Don't they... <laughs> yeah. They... they eat turtles down there. He bring... <laughs> He's got that expertise. I'm positive of it. Yeah, I'm know. positive of it. <laughs> so, Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> finds out that he can't get the job unless he pays his dues. He owes money to them. And he owes like an exact amount. It's a weird amount, like two fifty seven or something like that. Two seventeen. Two seventeen. Two seventeen. Two seventeen. Like two seventeen sixty four or something yeah. like that. So he he 
he gets unveiled, by the way, because Nat is about to leave. She's disappointed that he said no. These barrels start to, to reveal him like it's like Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And he comes out of nowhere and he tells her, I'll help you out for two days. And he kind of almost forgot the price. He's like, for 270 <laughs> <laughs> One, yeah, he's doing advanced math. And like, what was it? I suppose that's one thing that we got to like bear in mind too. Is like he's got a. I, I suppose he never really got out of his heavy accent there, right? Yeah. So like, you've already got his natural was French accent, right? I think he's it's French dude. I, they speak Dutch and French in Brussels. I don't know which one he does. I okay, yeah. So yeah. you layer you layer that on, and, you, and and then you're asking him to stack New Orleans on top of that, and I think they they were just like, you know what? Don't even worry about it, JCVD. Yeah. Just, just, just do the Brussels Close thing. Enough. You're fine. Yeah. Well, and then you <laughs> and like every John now Lewis. and then he'd try to say one word with a yes, little twang with or a something. Little twang, like, a little twist. <laughs> and you could see the director shaking his head off camera. Yeah. Like, yeah, but John Woo the, couldn't like, speak cut, English cut for shit either. They had to bring Sam Raimi in <laughs> to help uh, look after this whole thing. I'm sure you guys saw that. So uh, I saw his brother. No, I didn't. What happened? I saw Sam. Raimi's you didn't see brother. that. No. Yeah, they brought uh, the studio uh, had Sam Raimi look after this whole thing because they they knew it was John Woo's first English speaking film, so they sent Sam Raimi to be his assistant to look after it and look after the studio's money. Like, yeah. hey, make sure this guy doesn't fuck. Basically, this whole thing if up. it went to shit, Raimi was going to be going to the director's role. Correct. He was going to take over the director's chair. Yeah. He was uh, oh, wow. basically waiting in the wings, and he ended up being John Woo's biggest uh, proponent. Supposedly, so the story goes is that he fell in love with John Woo and. Uh, and, and stood up for him against the studio, and it went the other way. And the studio's like, didn't we, or weren't you the patsy? Like, weren't, didn't we send you in to <laughs> do this thing for us, and now you're against us? Cool. So um, uh, you, you see a lot of crossover uh, with, with uh, some of the crew from Darkman and stuff as well. That came out around this time. Um, so that, you know, this was kind of a, a Raimi Woo joint. That's good stuff. <laughs> Raimi Woo. Do you think that, like, uh, do you also think that, like, do you know if Wu spoke good English at the time? Well, no, that's like, my point. John Wu didn't China. speak any English. So, so on top of everything else, you've got the Brussels So he didn't accent, even know. You've got Wu not speaking English. You're asking, yeah. And then he's going to ask them to do a New Orleans yep. accent when he's like, right. I have no idea what the hell a New Orleans sure. accent is. Sure. He said, fine. Yeah, it looks good to me. <laughs> Sounds like English to me. It's <laughs> whatever. <laughs> he's like, I can't understand what they're saying, but I, I couldn't understand them anyway. So sure, let's go with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you went over to Asia right now and you decided you were going to go direct something in Mandarin and someone had to Cantonese accent. It's like dialects. You don't wouldn't know any better. You'd be like, no, it sounds totally. That's great. Perfect. Okay, but Ryan, as an American, I know that I could learn the language on the plane ride on the way over there. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah, in, in 1993, you could do that. <laughs> with, with, with your fucking Rosetta Stone tape cassette pack that you got from Time Life's videos at 1 a.m. I know they uh, they wanted Kurt Russell for this for they did? this part. Yeah, they wanted Kurt Russell originally, and I think it would have ended up a really good movie as well maybe not as much of the i think what happened was john once john Wu got van damme he was like okay i can do a lot more martial arts stuff with this one so i think he added a lot more action sure. kurt russell's probably would have not had the same amount or at least different types of types of action sequences but either way this is what we got we got van damme trying um I guess his best to not only act but to work in a little creole and uh, we we uh, yeah this is gonna do well, what we gotta do. You know what that brings up a good point though. Have we ever seen Kurt Russell in just like a balls to the wall straight like just this style of action movie? Because I don't really think he's that kind of action. Escape dude. from New York is kind of like that ish, a little bit. But other than that, yeah. yeah, not too much. Like you don't really see him like th you know throwing kicks and 
Like, I mean, I guess like you say, Escape from New York kind of does the gun thing a little bit, but I, it was, I think it would have been a different Yeah, it would have been much more gunplay stuff, yeah. you know, but it's still, A lot less kicking. A lot less, yes, weight, like, <laughs> dude, like 75% less roundhouses than the Kurt Russell version. But Better dialogue, though. <laughs> yes, I think. <laughs> I don't know if he would have done an accent, though, because Kurt Russell is literally Kurt Russell in almost every Kurt Russell yeah. movie. So I think if he could do it, he would say it. But if it wasn't working, he'd just be like, John, now come on. You're really going to make us do this. Don't be an asshole about this. Knock the accents off. Let's go. So speaking of accents real quick, while we keep uh, harping on this, uh, I got to at least throw in that uh, NOLA.com um, has ranked the five worst big screen Cajun accents and two of the top five are from this movie. Yeah. Brimley and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Is one of them our boy Wilford? Uh, Yeah. Yes. Wilford Brimley and Jean-Claude Van Damme take uh, number five and number three. The the top five are rounded out by uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme again. He makes two out of the top five. Universal Soldier? Uh, His other one being Universal Soldier. Correct. And you got Adam Sandler as Bobby Boucher and Dennis Quaid as Remy McSwain in the Big Easy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Wilford Brim. Just want to let you know, New Orleans, New Orleans, uh, the population of New Orleans agrees with all of us. Yeah, <laughs> we're not alone. By here. the way, it's it's entirely possible that Wilford Brimley can a deliver a very entertaining performance and simultaneously b have one of the worst accents in film ever. Oh, I didn't give a shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was all in. I loved his character, and yes, yes, his accent is awful. Yes. I'm yes. not even going to say otherwise, but it's fun. Don't care. Yeah, <laughs> don't care one bit. <laughs> So, so then Van Damme, he goes with her to the homeless shelter. We meet Elijah, who's, who's going to be with us for a little bit of this movie. Um, no spoilers there, but <laughs> he's going to be with us for a little bit. And it actually really liked his character. He brought a little bit of heart to the movie and brought decent acting compared to what everyone else is doing. <laughs> and he, we find out that he was working for this Poe guy who basically is like a, your cliche Super Mario looking dude. And he was, her dad had been handing out flower, flyers and shit. So they go to this guy, and they're like flyers for like, I think it looked phone like, sex. Yeah, phone sex stuff. So yeah. real quick, so we find <laughs> out about the phone sex flyers, and John Clyde Van Damme immediately knows everything about these phone sex oh, flyers. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, there's no way that he wasn't affiliated with this phone sex thing. Like, he knows all about the ins and outs. They're like, the flyers were just in her dad's shit. And he's like, those are, don't worry about it. Those are for phone sex. And uh, it's none of your business. (laughs) Uh, It's only $1.99 a minute. And, you know, they cap out at $99. It's like, yeah, all these details. It's like, you have used this line, my friend. (laughs) But that's also, like, I think part of his character and probably part of ultimately just lazy screenwriting. Like, he always knows everything right away. Like, later, when he goes to the, the, the crime scene, and apparently this like forensic team has been there for at least a day, if not multiple days, like trying to find the dog tag. And he's just like, oh, here it is. Bam, right there. Oh, that's like, right. Yeah. We, yeah. He fight, and, and, the, and a bird tells him about the dog tag or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. He, like, he can he talk sees, to birds, too. Yeah. He looks down. He sees a bird. The, it flies away. And he's like, of course, <laughs> the dog tag is right here. And he finds the dog tag so quickly. It's not even oh, funny. In the rubble it's of not a, a Creole accent. It's a pigeon accent. He's speaking. <laughs> that makes so much more sense. Dude. I get it now. Yeah. Oh, God. And the, the, the Poe guy, Super Mario, the scene where he gets his ass kicked after, because he has this interaction with them, and um, the mummy sees 
I'm gonna keep calling him the mummy because it's funny. It's Hell funny yeah. to me. No, it's the rest yeah. of the episode, he's the mummy. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. So the mummy sees this interaction and he gets suspicious. So they end up finding Super Mario laying in his bed and he's snoring. He's got a big old beer belly, and the mummy just slams his belly so hard and says, <laughs> "Wakey, wakey, fat ass." Yep. <laughs> so messed up they beat the shit out of that dude and they're pissed off because basically he was supposed to hire a different dude but he wasn't able to get him so he decided to go with this bender douglas bender guy because he kind of fit the same kind of thing they usually look for he was a veteran he's got medals but he and at the time douglas said he didn't have any family turns out he does so hendrickson is all pissed off and shit and beats the shit out of you can feel that's one thing i really like about john Woo. you can feel so many of these hits i'm like damn that he makes hendrickson look strong and he's like 85 pounds and 80 years old or some shit <laughs> that's true <laughs> definitely yeah that's true. i also think it's very funny that like the amount of steady cam shots flying around in this thing it, i i feel like they had like the industry just invented Steadicam, and John Woo was the first to get to try it, man, because he just is. <laughs> and it's kind of cool. I mean, because his camera really never stops moving, which is great for like a lot of the action scenes. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, dude, like it just like I said, I was like, dude, this guy just loves, 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 loves throwing his camera so, on a Steadicam and running it forward, Evil Dead style. Y- you ready for some knowledge? I'm gonna drop some knowledge on you. You know who the DP of this film was? I do. So go for it. Fucking Russell Carpenter, who's James yes, Cameron's guy. Yep. Oh. This guy shot Titanic. This guy shot True Lies. This guy shot Ant-Man. Uh, not a lot of shit else, though. He's just pretty much James Cameron's guy, and that's it. You start looking at his other credits, and it's like Triple X 2 and like all these weird action movies. No, Mark- dude. No way, dude. That guy's done some legit shit, okay? Because I, I looked it up, Shallow too, Hal. Like, and- what else you got? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so, he, I mean, he did Lady and White back in the day. I don't know if you guys saw that movie. But I, that I did not see that, it. Like, I grew up on. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, really nicely shot. Even though it's a shit movie, he shot the Lawnmower Man. Oh yeah, yeah, he did shoot the uh, He shot oh several episodes of the Wonder Years. He did the Charlie's Angels movies, and he's doing Avatar two and three. Like he's like, a well, legit I told you, he's dude. A, yeah, he's Cameron's guy. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know what's funny is I also I did yeah, find but no one, one little says, tiny like, connection. You wouldn't this, have started is... this conversation with that guy shot Charlie's Angels and Charlie's <laughs> okay, Angels too. Here's the thing: Charlie's <laughs> Angels may be, may not be a great movie, but it looks fantastic. Okay, <laughs> what like, I see is like, shit else. The cinematography like, is not at all the problem with Charlie's Angels. That's one fair. or two. I'll give you that. Well, yeah, I mean, no, he's a he's a capable DP, and that, I I would uh, that was all, my only point was that he, he's shot some pretty amazing things. If you go on to shoot Titanic, and that's all you ever do in your career my hat's fucking off to you like say what you will about the sappiness and crappiness of that film uh that had uh, just from a filmmaking standpoint you'd, you'd want to drown a sack of kittens after making that movie that would drive you nuts <laughs> and you'd have the water to do it in because you're working on titanic so it all works out glad it's good to it's good to have some guys that know some film in this damn show because I'm certainly never the one <laughs> yes, to bring we that. Will, we will definitely bring the uh, bring, bring the film knowledge, <laughs> Daniel. I don't know if you know this. Uh, uh, Ryan and I actually uh, met in film school back in the day. Uh-huh. He doesn't like me to mention when it was because he has this hang up about being his age for some reason. It's lame, but yeah, it we was 84 school, so. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've actually studied it's been 84 years. <laughs> so like you were you were like 26 and he was 42 or something. <laughs> That's right. That's the true. way he tells it. Yeah, I That's don't even like, feel comfortable making jokes about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you like him too much to possibly hurt his. Feelings. I don't know. I don't. He's not that old. He's got like 
not that many years. I mean, on he me. sounds I really young. Don't know why he has such a yeah? You sound it. you sound young, right? I don't, I don't know. You know, he looks young too. It, it's his own thing. I mean, I'm sure he's still good in this. I'm, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's still got them hip hip flexors, you know. And when he's when he's getting it on, well, yes, he, he got he got the hip replacement surgery, so he's good <laughs> that's true. That's true. Ask uh, ask Jason's mom about my hip flexors. Got on that arp insurance. Damn, bringing out the bombs in this episode. Holy shit! So. Uh, I don't even know where the hell we were, but we were kind of. <laughs> yeah, right. I know we talked about it the. Doesn't we matter. Talked about the dog. This is making fucking, mom jokes I mean, for another really. twenty minutes. Of <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a John Claude Van Damme movie. I mean, it's just yeah, you know, pretty much. Uh, Jody Foster's uh, partner. <laughs> I don't know the detective's name, but she gets more involved in the movie for a split second. There, there's a huge gunfight. I do like the fight where you see Poe. He's trying to leave. He's paranoid. I love the way the mummy comes through with that shotgun and has it right into his face and just blows Ooh, his yeah. fucking head off. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I wish I could have seen this movie before it was like chopped up and brought down. Like they they didn't like how the amount of violence that was in it originally and I it looks like he took a lot really? cut a lot of stuff out. Apparently people were like leaving, like I guess maybe the I don't know what you call it when they do little screenings or something, test screenings. Oh, yeah, like the test screenings. And apparently yeah. people were leaving. And they, it was too violent for them. I don't know. It, but that's kind of an Asian thing, though, right? Because like, if you go watch old kung fu movies, they're exploding heads oh, yeah. and chopping people's heads off and like stuff. Street and Fighters? then the Asian, uh, Asian horror, you know, it was... I was going to say, you, dude, you're you, talking about like Mike. That's like Japanese shit. You got audition. Like, that's you got all different. Yeah. No, but uh, old kung fu movies and, and uh, Asian... Uh, well, no, 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 I know, but Action. I'm just saying, like, I think even, that... I th- shit, I think even that, hard-boiled was filled with violence. Are you kidding me? So, so, but jo- so just, to, just to be clear, though, but John Woo's a Chinese filmmaker, right? Yeah. Right. So I, I, I think it's kind of could be one of those things, too, where, like, censorship laws are different there, and that has an effect Maybe. on that. Maybe, you know? and I think the production... I, I think the production companies themselves were just being very tight about it. I don't. I think they saw this could be a potential blockbuster, but if it is filled with gore and blood and rape and shit that no one's gonna want to watch it this is you know (laughs) i don't know dude it was the 90s and me and ryan have been looking at some 90s films recently and it's it's not always fun to go back and see our attitudes towards like things like minorities and women it's like oh yeah i'm kind of kind of glad we 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 worked a little bit i've seen all the death wish movies trust me (laughs) 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 it is uh it's pretty bad but still (laughs) a lot of entertainment though woven through you just gotta look past god the way some of those things yeah Take to appreciate the time it came yeah, from. Yeah, pretty and, much. You know, it's like how I always say everyone's grandpa is a little bit racist. And you oh yeah. Have yeah. To yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say, guys, I feel like an hour into this movie, this is where this becomes surviving the game to me. This is when shit pops off. We're done with finding out what happened to Dad. We're not. We're no longer in the detective movie. We are now in straight up. Hendrickson is hunting for. I guess he kind of want to kill Jean-Claude Van Damme, but he really wants to, I think, get rid of Nat because she's sort of the loose screw to hold this whole thing because she knows about what happened to her dad. So he needs to kill them both. But obviously Van Damme's not going to let that happen easily. And it becomes a straight-up manhunt-type film. He brings out a bunch of... He actually brings back one of the hunters from the very beginning. So we actually do get to see the guy that killed her dad um, get his later on i didn't i didn't notice that yeah that's he's cool. the guy with the sunglasses with the arrow i don't know what you call that okay 
Uh, yeah, the yeah. arrow gun. Yeah, yeah. I was that sure that was like, it was like a weird cross between a, a crossbow and a harpoon. Weird, right? Yeah. I'd never seen <laughs> yeah. any... I'm not sure if that was made for the movie or if that's a legitimate... It might have been. This I'm is like sure one of those was. weapons they would give to like G.I. Joe's, you know, back in the animated <laughs> series. That, like, didn't make any sense, but were cool as shit on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's... It, that guy's really weird. I don't even think he says... He says maybe one or two lines, but he wears those... He just looks odd. Like, he watches weird porn. But, <laughs> but yeah, they brings out all these. That's hundreds. why I can't do a video podcast. By the way, <laughs> people would say the same thing about me. That guy looks like he watches weird video. <laughs> do you just do you just have one of those mustaches where it's just the corners that are there? <laughs> I got a face for radio, buddy. Yeah, this is one of those faces that says you shouldn't leave your daughter around him. That's true. That's true. Or your son, for that matter. <laughs> Just don't roll the dice with it, you know. <laughs> Just don't leave anyone alone with this man. <laughs> um, so, yes, that to me, that's when the movie gets really good. I love the scene where they're in the helicopter... Well, the mummy's in the helicopter with those guys, and he's... Oh, we were uh, just introduced, by the way, because I think Van Damme gets... He gets, uh, he gets out to the woods... With Nat. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't but before skip. you go, I, I I don't want to interrupt you, but but you're. <laughs> but I'm going are, to. Are you going to skip over the freeway scene? Oh no, yeah, or no, I think I missed yet? it. I'm sorry, I was already getting into the woods. Yes, the this freeway is really scene important. is just before the woods. Yes, this, hit, let's hit on. That's that. when it gets cooking to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he surfs on a motorcycle, <laughs> hop, jumps over a truck. Yeah. I mean. He, Everything explodes. This is when everything shifts to where everything can explode in the oh, whole movie. It, just, it doesn't matter. Ugh. Traffic cone, explosive. Truck, explosive. <laughs> like, everything explosive. Yeah. Yes, everything is just... R- rubber trash can full of water. It's covered matter. in fuel. Like, everything is just drenched in yep. fuel. This is 90s testosterone to its core starting now, like right yeah. in this part of the... Up until this point, you got swanky saxophone, bit of a detective Piano film, playing. Uh, and then it just kicks into hardcore John... And, you know... um, John Woo had uh, said that you know he he was directing a western when he made this, and it plays out very much that way. And so much as that, when the movie starts, you start with the villains, and then you start with the hero, only showing very briefly what the hero is capable of, very much in a Clint Eastwood kind of way, where you come out and show that he is a expert gunslinger or expert kicker in this particular case and then we go off on a bit of a uh journey where the hero refuses to get involved is really hesitant reluctant and all of that uh is bought maybe to get on someone's side but it's not until the third act that the hero fully unleashes uh his true potential and we see this uh crazy these crazy action beats and uh i feel like that's true in a lot of like I said, Eastwood films or a lot of spaghetti westerns. Um, yeah. Not so much in uh, Peckinpah films because those are pretty balls out all the way through, like the Wild Bunch and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like this kind of plays out very much like a spaghetti western. And uh, and then we see, you know, somebody starring Van Damme and, and his feet. Instead yeah, of, uh, I gunslinger. rather enjoy the creativity as well. A lot of the the moves that he does, especially in this highway scene. You're right. It's it. He's he basically is on i think at some point he's on a motorcycle and he's on like he's just standing on it completely standing yeah, on yeah he's it. surfing yeah. on a motorcycle right that's bananas <laughs> that would never that's not possible but yet yeah and he's shooting yeah. a gun while he's doing oh. it which is which okay by the way so now it's my turn to interrupt and and ask you Ryan because for just right now it, it sounds like you're saying that you felt that this was a a well structured script or did I misinterpret that? <laughs> a script, no. Story, maybe. Yeah. No. Okay, no. Story. So 
Okay, no, so I'm going to say, this, so this is absolutely one of those uniquely, like, mid-80s to mid-90s films that's just the byproduct of a shitload of cocaine and a bunch of false promises. To see, it went here's through the thing. 18 different iterations, because here's the thing. Half an hour into this movie, as somebody who doesn't know what the movie is about and is just experiencing it as it goes along, it's half an hour in. I don't know that these guys yet are hunting man for a sport. And furthermore, what's the MacGuffin? Like, supposedly, the only thing carrying me through the first half hour of this movie is I'm supposed to feel sympathy for this for girl who lost her dad 20 years ago when he bailed on her when she was five. Like, so I would actually argue that this film kind of had no idea what it was, and I don't think it follows a traditional you know, first, second, third act structure. I think it just kind of does whatever the hell it does and whatever it wants all along the way. And furthermore, like, it just kind of really wastes time until that final half hour. And then from there, it's just I the whole get thing. Like, the I get do, you, do you think Unforgiven's a good movie? Do you think that's a good script with Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman? So here's the thing. I, I Oscar award-winning Unforgiven? Parallel you're trying to make because I've never seen it. <laughs> Oh, you've never seen Unforgiven? No, I've never seen Unforgiven. We've talked uh, about this, dude. You're the big Western guy. I'm not a huge Western guy. I like the, uh, you know, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly trilogy. Okay. And well, then carry I like on. the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Well, trilogy. I will tell you, Jason. Okay. I think I was feeling the same way. I on the Discord, on my Discord, I was mentioning that the beginning of the movie was just pissing me off at the time. But then the more <laughs> that I I started reading about what John Woo was trying to do with this first american release i think he was really trying to focus on the kind of making it somewhat romantic which is not really what happens <laughs> focusing on the human aspects of the characters and then allowing it to eventually get to this point where we're at now it just doesn't it just doesn't work that well yeah it doesn't that's why we have ang lee is for that type of examination yeah. john woo is here to deliver balls to the wall action scenes yeah knock it off with that crap yeah but he brings that asian uh the chinese romance into with the, with the over dramatic close-ups and the slow push-ins and the and the big long breaths in between uh dialogue and all of that that uh that's very uh, signature to his style, you know, in between those action beats. And yeah, could there have been a little more action in between? Okay. But I would argue that uh, there are a lot of Westerns that don't have uh, any action for the second act. That you okay, introduce your, your characters as a flawed protagonist, um, you show what they're capable of, and then you don't get back into that can of worms until Act 3, when it busts wide open and he goes crazy. Okay, but it's not like you're giving me like rich backstory or anything like that. Like, and that's true. And that's why I say it's not a good script. It, yeah. I think it is a good story, though. Yeah, like we don't even get... I think the beats We don't there. even get backstory on Van Damme's character until... I think it's somewhere in the second act where Henriksen's looking at his file and he mentions that he was a Marine and I think he kicked his captain. He kicks he kicked someone off a boat because they were like, <laughs> 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 they were like shipping drugs around and shit. So that's how we find out he's this like altruistic person. And guys, yeah. you're not going to talk me out of loving this movie. This movie is no, fucking it's awesome. No, not that, dude. But it's, <laughs> no, I still it's, like. It's I think like, I like it. This Jason. movie even that, fucks. even that feels like one of those things that you just throw in at the last minute, where you know somebody like me comes along and says that, and so you're like, ah, well, yeah, but what about uh, this moment? And you write it in really quick, and you're like, see, I put that moment right there. It's like <laughs> you multiply that by like 
three dozen examples and then you get this script. That's like, so that's my point is just if you just make a balls to the wall action movie, like fine, I won't sit here and tear apart your script. But if you're going to be like, I'll give you three really nice set pieces that approximate half an hour and then the other hour I'm going to try to dr- to bring out the drama, then I'm going to criticize the drama. No, nah, I mean, you're not wrong. That's why I didn't like Falcon and Winter Soldier for the same reason. I thought it stalled out and gave me too much horse shit in the middle. I mean, is Home Alone 1 and 2 worth the last 30 minutes? Fuck yeah, it is. And so is this movie. Touche, <laughs> <laughs> right. man. Touche. Well, you know, and to that point, maybe if I had seen this when I was seven, because let's be honest, dude, that's all nostalgia. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's just that the, the cloudy red rose, red rose sunglasses of nostalgia. You're like, saying Home Alone 2 is nostalgia that if if you're saying that if i saw it today i wouldn't feel the same way <laughs> i'm suggesting okay, at least i'm telling you you're wrong i'm, I'm saying that there year. is a scenario where that happens it, yes. it does but <laughs> i think it is worth it i think it, i think for this especially for this movie but i will cover that when we get to the review portion of it but uh, yes i do love the highway scene after that they get to the woods and that's where yes. we find one of the craziest bonkers fucking scenes in an action movie I've seen in a while where him and Nat are talking to each other. She's standing by a tree. He's obviously focusing on something, and he, there's almost a sort of weird intimate moment where he's like, well, you, do you trust me? And she's like, yes. And he's like, close your eyes. She's like, yeah. And so she closes them, and then bam, he fucking grabs a snake in mid-strike. And then he... <laughs> straight punches the snake and knocks it out like holy shit it's it's my favorite it's it's one of two favorite moments in the movie we'll get to the second one later but absolutely (laughs) him grabbing that snake like looking at it punching it the fuck out and then by the way i'm not like i don't know a lot about animals or anything like that but afterwards he straight rips the rattle out with his oh yeah with his teeth is that what? What's what was the significance of he, that? Was it to piss he, it no, off? No, he when wanted it, woke it to up? be silent, so when it strikes the guys, they won't hear it. Right. Oh. Yeah. So yep. it's like a little sniper. Doesn't that like kill him? No, though? it does. Isn't there a thing where if you like take that off, it kills no, him? No, I mean he'll maybe he, eventually. Yeah, he'll bleed for a bit, but they'll they'll be all right for a few hours or so, huh. maybe longer. Yeah, I actually Damn. have a couple of rattles that some of my mom's family <laughs> gave me as oh, a yeah? kid. Yeah. <laughs> they still it's still they still work like it's crazy those rattles on the rattlesnakes they don't like decay even after you wow, cut them off that's yeah insane. true story yeah i uh i i had skinned a couple of rattlesnakes and dried the uh hides out with my dad when i was <laughs> where where were you living when that happened i still Ryan? have the rattles in, in my room right now that was in st augustine florida <laughs> yeah they're cool man i love rattlesnakes um obviously not in front of me out in the wild but i am i feel like the animal is pretty dope so <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not one. Of, I'm not one of those snake guys, dude. You know, I really try to be like open minded and and. But you know what it is, dude? Is like when I was, I think when I was like ten or twelve, my best friend's older brother had a snake, and I watched it feed on a mouse, and like it like went to go like snap and grab it, and then it didn't like get the whole thing or something, and it like tore half its skin off, and then there was just this like bony, sinewy, half rodent thing there. I think that was the time that snakes that I was done. Gotta with say, Jason, that sounds pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> we were very different kids. Yeah. I was a meek kid, that's, dude. I was. That's when I would have been shy, started with snakes. Quiet. <laughs> yeah, my didn't like, like to ruffle feathers. My story would have been. That's when I got started with snakes. That's when <laughs> that's I fell in love I with snakes. My python. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so. <laughs> Look, you guys also didn't have nightmares about gremlins when you were nine. Okay, this is the uh, same little Jason that we're talking about. He's a, yeah. he's a, he was a softer, gentler kid. 
Yeah. <laughs> Who would go on later to just be wrecked and hardened of heart? Your uh, your wildlife experience uh, goes about as far as the pet city at the Glendale Galleria, and uh, anything crazier <laughs> than that, you're out. Yeah, some people sow wild oats. I sow mild oats. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's got all the fun stories. I'm like, eh, I just hang home and play video games. So that snake actually ends up coming back. He gets one of the dudes of of Henriksen's um army guy or like hunters gets him right right in the, in the oh, fucking it face is solid i like the way they shot <laughs> yes that. it looks bad oh yes Painful. i loved it just amazing and uh, he goes down to the ground and Henriksen, uh i think hits him in the throat so he'll shut up and stop screaming and he tells one of the other hunters to finish him off and kill him and they head out and then we finally one hour and four minutes and 21 seconds um <laughs> we we get our full scene with Wilford Brimley because in my notes yes. I didn't even know he was in the movie already. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a blink, it was a blink and you'll miss it moment. Yeah. And yeah. he's making whiskey, I guess, uh in the back. Yeah. It's like moonshine. Moonshine or something. Yeah, yeah pot still whiskey. That is insane. Uh I was just glad it wasn't meth or something, but kind of been in the twenty one version it is. <laughs> <laughs> and Van Damme does his bird shit, starts whistling, and I guess at first I go, oh, this must be a signal so Uncle Duvet knows what's going on, but no, he grabs a shotgun like he's ready to fucking kill this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then he sees that it's Van Damme, he goes and they hug and they're all happy, and we get such a good amount of Wilford Brimley's Creole accent, and it is just... Both, I mean, both of them. Oh. Just them talking back and forth was... Uh, film gold. I mean, that was perfect. Oh, so Chef's good. kiss on that. It's so good. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah. And then I mean, you know. And then let's let's also, you know, because I know you like to talk about the mustaches a little bit. But I mean, it's a it's a pretty solid stash, oh, yeah. dude. Because like, generally speaking, you know, I mean, he just kind of lets it fly. But I did notice that he got a little bit of wax there at the end. So it was kind of like you know, waxy at the ends with solid push broom in the middle. Like, oh was, yeah, he's definitely kind of combing it through in the morning. You know, the 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 beard is probably just from because he's supposed to be like out in the. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was. <laughs> but then, yeah, I like. He didn't even shit. Yeah, shit razor at all. It. but I like. I like the mustache. Yeah. He definitely rocks it pretty, pretty dope. And Damn. and and so then he he kisses Nat uh, on the cheeks because he's Creole, I guess. Because <laughs> that's what they do. I don't know. And he helps. Uh, mo- I think that Van Damme got hit or something at some point, maybe during the highway scene. I'm not sure, but he wraps him up and he's helping him out, and then he gives him this dope ass shotgun. That's full of dust and soot. They don't clean it, so it's a good thing it works out in the end. <laughs> and it doesn't backfire some shit. Because it looks like it's been sitting up in Wilford Brimley's house right. for years and years. <laughs> yeah, that, that needed some attention. That gun was not in good shape. Jesus. <laughs> that could have been dangerous. <laughs> so they get the bullets going. And I think Van Damme says something about taking the horse south to the Mardi Gras graveyard, which uh, we will see soon. And I guess which is filled with nothing but beads and broken. Is that dreams? what it's called? The the Mardi Gras graveyard. That's what he says. What? <laughs> that sounds like such a fucking. It sounds like such a contradiction. Just, just whatever. Like <laughs> the greatest party ever and a cemetery. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. well but you know the other thing that that scene sets up though the whole thing like at his at his compound if you will or whatever is that you know in a in a world of you know 
guns. Mr. Brimley is a hell of a marksman with a bow and arrow. He totally that is, is his weapon of choice. And and I think that that's and, and the and the other thing, too, is that it sets up my other favorite moment in the movie. So the first one earlier was when he punches out the snake. But at the end of that sequence, right, because they do their whole thing and they attack and then, you know, he ends up like tripping the bombs and it goes off or whatever. And then we get this like hero shot. Like, first of all, how many oh, movies give Wilford Brimley it's a hero magical. shot? Touché. First and foremost. Touché. But it's him on a horse riding towards the camera with a bow raised to the sun and a goofy ass grin on his face. And I, I think it's probably my favorite Wilfred Brimley moment I, in all uh, in all. Jason, I rewinded moments. that like four times. I <laughs> I was super drunk and I just could not stop laughing my ass off watching this man just bounce up and down with his with his little old like his stumpy old man legs just bounce. Bouncing around, oh, it's, tiny ones going going out, flapping like, like wings ah, on the side of the horse. Ah, let's go, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, okay, Ryan. He looks like Gimli Ryan from Lord of the Rings. Ryan, I'm gonna call you out again, bro. Oh boy, give us your best Creole accent. Go. Oh no, I, I, I would end no, up on that no, Nola no. top five list. I couldn't even <laughs> if I wanted to. Okay, no, just uh, say Sally sells seashells by the seashore in Norland's accent because it's not hard enough as it is. Go. I I, I don't even have this one just loaded. Tell me what you, tell me what you had for dinner in a Creole accent. Daniel, don't move the show forward until he does it. <laughs> I can't do this. Just, no, I, you're, this is bad radio, bro. <laughs> this is bad radio. You're making this a bad show. You Honestly, do I don't accent. have a Creole accent. Okay, if I on. give you the world's shittiest Creole accent, will you do it? I'll, I'll do one after Let's you. Let's... All right. Okay. All right. And this is really bad, guys. I mean, I do a horrible one, but I'm just getting the ball rolling. <clears throat> now, see here now. Now, I got to go down over there now. Uh, go down the store and uh, you know, get yourself some liquor now. Thank you, thank you. I, I, you can send me the Oscar in the mail. I'll have my assistant, Bobby Duchesne. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but look, who was who, who? Who jumped on that grenade for you and for the listeners? Okay, you brought the me. grenade to the party, I, dickhead. <laughs> yeah, that's totally. Hold the my pin style. and said, "Oh, checking the grenades hero. I'm gonna jump like, on guys. Who's gonna do something about this?" I do this? have the Creole that Brimley says just before he shoots that bow and arrow. He says, "Moki fu fu thang." <laughs> I thought that was like an Indian chant, dude. I didn't even know that was English. Some kind of broken French shit, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, Creole is based in, in, France, in yeah. French. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's like redneck French or, you know, hillbilly French, mutant French, whatever. So I can just mash syllables together and call it French. Like, <laughs> I guess so, if you're, if you're in this yeah. movie. Oh, no, no, no. See, that's my French Creole. <laughs> right. Uh, Creole is French, yes. Ryan, it's two out of three, dude. Are you really gonna pussy out on us? Uh, I mean, I really, I got nothing, guys. Ah, dude. dude, you've never let me down before, and you're gonna do it. I on do this have to go show. take a piss, so if, look if you want to practice, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> practice it. <laughs> all right, all right, we'll move forward. But just remember that I was willing move to look on. like an asshole, and you move weren't. On. So you know. So then, uh, yes, we get that awesome, fantastic slow motion shot. Just love it so much. I think then, oh, this is weird. Then we see the mummy put his hands on a track, one of the tracks that Van Damme left, and then some piccolo music plays, like a note. 
That's true. He's like, I know where yes. he went. He he's left about 15, <laughs> 10 minutes ago. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this guy has See, the amount of specious evidence that pops up that people just know right away. Right? Yeah. Like whether it's Van Damme with the dog tag. People give trackers way too much credit in films and I love it. Like a, a breeze picks up and he's like, I know where it's he is. Borderline like superpowers. <laughs> like what is happening? Yeah. yeah. Wolverine. He's in a white Pontiac Fiero. And uh, <laughs> let's see. Hold on. He's listening to Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> he hasn't jerked off in two weeks. He had eggs for breakfast. Two weeks. I smell the semen in his wiener. It's, it's just there. Festival. It. <laughs> Definitely smells like two week old semen. Yeah. And. In the humidity of the bayou, I guarantee you that semen is just it. boiling in those balls. <laughs> That's true. That's why they're all trying to get Ooh. on boats, man. They're all just They don't semen. call it uh, swamp butt for nothing, man. It's swamp butt. The, the Maritime <laughs> Seamen's Union, union. it's in the, in the beginning of the film. It's a true story. <laughs> true story. So uh, we get to the helicopter scene. We see that hairsprayed mullet just swinging in the air as he's on his horse and the mummy's <laughs> oh, shooting at him. So good. I love the fact that when they're shooting at him from the helicopter, the bullets go perfectly just on each side of the horse. Like, that seems harder to do than actually hitting the horse. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> Fantastic. So they eventually get him off the horse. He goes on foot, and that's when we're introduced to this wonderful, I guess, um, what was it? Mardi Gras graveyard. The Mardi Gras graveyard. Yes. Show us your bones. Show us your ribs. <laughs> <laughs> the Mardi Gras graveyard, where everything is all the we fill all the parade floats with barrels of oil and fuel and gasoline and kerosene. Because <laughs> <laughs> holy shit, we get all the explosions. Everything explodes. Oh, yeah, so yeah. good. Everything I wonder explodes. if that's a real thing too, because like, so Wilfred we have, uh, Grimley's we have... fucking whole house exploded. Oh, yeah. I mean, like he blew up his own house, and by the way, for no reason, like he didn't hurt anybody by doing that. He just blew, <laughs> blew up his own house. Just dramatic uh, effect. For no reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but he was trying. Like... He was trying to take them out. Like they weren't supposed to like all jump out at the last minute. But it's a '90s action movie. It's they all, weren't the in the house. The mummy told him to go down. Yeah. Well, nobody blows up like the the compound. Yeah. Because yeah, the mummy's like everybody get down and like, yeah, but that, nobody like, got one down. and a half everybody seconds. Everybody stood where they enough. were. Explosions all around them, and nobody got injured. It didn't help that it was like a ten minute wick. So like he like lit yeah, the wick. Yeah, that's right. Them. Like an entire action <laughs> sequence for that wick. It was like uh, you know the intro to Mission <laughs> Impossible. You know coyote. where the wick just keeps on going through an entire yeah, exactly. line of title scenes. <laughs> You've got the mummy like preparing some cappuccino. Yeah, know, right, like, right. It's like the long bullet scene that we always reference, like <laughs> like a five minute scene of him preparing a coffee in great detail before the thing explodes. I do love in that. Yeah. I do love in that fire scene though with Wilford when there's a guy on fire and Hendrickson just shoots him in the face. <laughs> like, he doesn't seem like he like hearing people in pain. He's like, "Fuck you, you weak human." Well, yeah. he, he told that one guy that got bit in the face by the snake to die quieter. He's like, "You all should take." Uh, he and die quieter <laughs> he is he's a psychopath in this movie like a, he's a great oh, one so though good. he's a fantastic psychopath we love Lance and he is cocky. yeah I, th I, th I think even early on like doesn't he I, I don't know if i missed this but i think that he straight takes a shotgun blast to the stomach oh yeah in that oh, yeah. yard and totally then it's just does. like man yeah Yep. Kind of the same way with like the flaming coat, like whatever. He's like yeah. Terminator. You throw shit at him and he's just like, I Meh. love that Doesn't scene, by me. the way, in the in the freaking graveyard. Van Damme comes down on a giant 
stork like yeah. <laughs> parade thing and just starts it's a big swan. Yeah, swan and he fucking blows every barrel in the area like he's playing Time <laughs> Crisis 3 and everything's exploding. <laughs> Hendrickson catches on fire and he ch- the way Hendrickson reacts to being completely on fire is me stubbing my toe. Like I I he's just like, "Oh, this son of a bitch." Oh, he's a good <laughs> It's a minor inconvenience. <laughs> he's a good shot that motherfucker. <laughs> and uh he just takes his jacket off. He's got all the fire retardant stuff like in his hair. It looks like honestly his hair is finally as greasy as Van Damme's hair. I just love right. that whole scene. He's so composed. Like this guy has seen such so much dark shit. It doesn't affect Well, him. isn't this also when uh Van Damme does a front flip through the fire? Yes. <laughs> Shooting? Yeah. That was bananas. Slow motion front flip through a wall of flames shooting guns. I was like, oh, this is just... I couldn't have done this with my G.I. Joe characters and come up with this. (laughs) There are some moments where Van Damme is as graceful as a figure skater like in the 1994 Winter Olympics. Like, I I can't believe how like graceful this dude is like because he has hard hits but damn this guy looks awesome agreed uh yeah so i was actually gonna ask you guys do you know if he like i don't think he does all his own stunts right but he does like some do you guys know anything about that like to what degree he does i I don't know yeah i don't know so like so because i was noticing um i actually went back on like youtube and pulled up the that the freeway scene that we talked about a little bit ago and it's really interesting because at first when i watched it uh, I, I thought it was just him the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was like, oh, I think, you know, he he did his own stunts on this one. Um, but then when I went and went, went back and watched it, I think they just did a really, really good job of, of filming and editing around a stunt double. So, like, when they would do, like, the side shot on the motorcycle, for example, and he, like, holds out the gun and he's, like, shooting at the van, like, they have it to where, like, they frame the camera to where his forearm is just covering his uh, eyes and his... is just covering uh, his eyes. Um, and, and just when you look really closely, you'll notice tiny little things like that. So, I think they... but. I mean, props to to Wu and the rest of his team for getting that granular. Because th- I mean, you really have to to look hard. Do to, you to think notice the, the mullet was double. integrated as a way to distract us from noticing when stunt guy was used? <laughs> Could be right. Give him long hair. Let that shit blow around. Yeah. Cover up. They're his not going to stop staring at it. They're not going to know it's a different face. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Look at the curvy mullet. <laughs> look at them ramen noodles, baby. Yeah. And I do love the fact that <laughs> Wilfred Brimley gets, not only does he get shot in the leg at some point, he straight up gets stabbed in the chest by an arrow. It's like, yeah. oh, this. He has a rough go of it by <laughs> the end. poor old man. I thought he was done. I was like, damn, this guy's getting his ass whooped. And he decides to bring a, he brought his born arrow. He didn't even ever use a gun ever. He just uses. And yeah, there's like yeah. 20 guys in this warehouse thing. It's crazy. And yes, he brought a bow and yeah, arrow to a gunfight. <laughs> actually have that in my notes. <laughs> so right right before all this, too, the uh, scene with uh, uh, Van Damme and the mummy, when they have their backs against <laughs> yeah. the wall and they're, oh, yeah, and they're yeah, reloading yeah. their yeah. gun and they have that, uh, that little exchange, it's worth mentioning that uh, John Woo has done that in Face Off as well as uh, he did that in Hard Boy. Where they're having well. like a conversation so, as they're like loading. That exact same scene. In, in, with back to back to a clips. wall and they're, and, they're, and they're loading up clips and having uh, talking shit to each other. John Travolta and Nick yeah. Cage did it uh, yeah, as did, well yeah. as Chow Yun-Fat and uh, the villain from uh, it's, Hard I, I like well, the delivery so. here. I, it is actually maybe one of Van Damme's best scenes in my opinion. I think he's, you know, he got him. He's playing against the mummy. The mummy's pretty good. 
And it's a good little face-off. I like the way that, uh, you know, he's killing other guys while he's still trying to avoid the mummy. And then the mummy tries to throw a grenade. And I he slides under a table and just fucking shoots him from <laughs> below and just blows him up and gets a grenade, which is going to come in handy later. So, yeah. Well, yeah, but well, not only that, though, he, he shoots him and then mummy falls forward. And I forget if Van Damme uses, uses his, his arms or yeah. his legs, but to, like, hold him up. Yeah. And so then, like, the mummy's, like, being propped up by Van Damme, let's say his legs, if not his arms, and, and then he, like, uses his last remaining breath to, like, grab the grenade and, like, open it up and then drop it, at which point Van Damme, I think, like, kicks him away and then, like, clutches the grenade that yeah. he's going to use at the it's end. It's pretty fun. <laughs> it, it, I'm telling you, it's Home Alone 2, man. What shit is popping off? You're like, this fucking movie's great. Like, I love this shit. Oh. Home Alone 2, Lost in New Orleans. <laughs> oh, I love Home it. Home Alone 2, Lost in New Orleans. <laughs> Home Alone 2, Lost in New Orleans. <laughs> you guys just made number six and seven on that. <laughs> we also just lost you your entire Narlins listening. Uh, yeah, I only call you two. <laughs> I know you're. They don't get a good signal out in the bayou, dude. So, yeah, <laughs> they actually they're gonna bury your show in the Mardi Gras cemetery. <laughs> I'd be honored to be honest. I love that place. Oh, dude, yeah, we should have a big ceremony and introduce you by way of descending. Oh, that, yeah, oh, that's kind of nice. You just yeah. you can take a shotgun to your adoring audience. <laughs> What's up, bitches? <laughs> Why is he doing this? <laughs> I thought we were here to celebrate. I didn't know where all the barrels were. <laughs> I had to pay twenty dollars to get in here <laughs> to be shot at. Uh, what is y'all's opinion on this final battle where he finds it's him and Henriksen? It goes back and forth. What what y'all think of it? You felt like it kind of captured. Uh, it was a good way to kind of wrap things up for this movie. Ryan, why don't you take this one first? A lot of monologuing, <laughs> but uh, but I dug it. I dug it. I mean, it's uh, I'll I'll watch Lance Hendrickson pour cereal into a bowl of milk and eat it for twenty minutes. I, I just love that guy so much. Ever since you know what was his name in Alien Mother, right? Is that the deal? Bishop. Thank you. Yeah, I like oh, that guy. Man. Close though. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude. I think it's great, man. And it's one of those. I mean, look. Like to be completely honest, if I if I have a criticism of this movie, which obviously I do, but it's like I was kind of hoping because I think Face Off is this way. Where the, the last 30 minutes would be the entire 90 minutes, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I was hoping it would just kind of be one of those things, you know, take 10, 15, 20 minutes to get started, and then, you know, we're Not just, stop. you know, pedal to the metal the entire time until the end. And like I said, that's that's very much how face-off is, and perhaps I'm tarnished because that's really kind of my only experience with John Woo mm -hmm. up to this point. Um, before, aside from Broken Arrow, which, like I said, I'm not a fan of. Um, so, but yeah, you know, and it's just, like, here's the thing, dude, is is... You know, sometimes we talk about tropes being a bad thing, and sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. And to be honest, like, I think that action movies especially are the one time where you do want to lean into your tropes, you know, maybe with, like, horror as well, mm -hmm. right? Um, but again, you know, it's like, it, it, it. look, if I want, uh, you know, the relationship, the budding relationship between a man and a woman... I'll watch a romance, you know? Uh, if I, if I want to, you know, look at uh, what some woman is going through with the loss of her father that she never knew, like, I'll check out that drama. Like, when I come to you, John Woo, it's because I hear that you do this action thing pretty well, and that's what I'm here for. So, uh, you know, I, I loved the ending. Like I said, I thought the last half hour was very much encapsulated what 
is good about this film. And if I had a criticism, it was just that we didn't get more of that. I feel you there. I feel you. I quite enjoy the the exclamation mark and uh, of this of this whole battle. I love the the you mentioned it earlier, the fact that Henriksen gets shot in the stomach and then just gets back up like i thought they were going to show like oh look i have like this crazy ass awesome armor that i bought overseas or something nope he just got back up i do like i thought it was so weird that he starts swinging at van damme with the fiery two by four van damme grabs it at some point and starts thinking about the people that have passed away throughout this and he, he thinks of, he sees a scene that he was not in <laughs> Like, holy shit <laughs> this is like a moment like he's going full power <laughs> oh man yeah and, and i think that's where he ends up with a like roundhouse yes. kicking it right because <laughs> that's what he's he does just with splits it in half punches the shit out of Henriksen. <laughs> he opens up his giant trousers <laughs> and drops in that grenade <laughs> and then well and there's also like a the one thing that he kind of kind of we talked about this earlier you know like um we talk about how in like for example like action directors with like uh in willie's wonderland that we reviewed recently on our show they did that thing where like you know when you, someone goes to hit someone else and you kind of jar the camera a little bit to give it that visceral feel like he did kind of some stuff like that like there's a scene where in that same sequence jean-claude van damme like kicks one of the henchmen and you like see his face like like get smashed yeah. like and i don't even really know how they did that because i i can't imagine he actually kicked him in the face so i'm like is that guy just really good with his face that he can make it look like he got kicked like that oh, we need Either rubber way. face guy for this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's another thing i love about it like i said before just the impact of some of these hits it, it, some of it is a little cartoony like he actually headbutts he headbutts oh, sure. i've never seen anyone get headbutted and they fly <laughs> <laughs> straight up fly. maybe it's the mullet there's power behind it i don't know but he tries to defuse that grenade he almost does it and i do like the kind of comedic way he's like oh shit or whatever it is yeah <laughs> that was kind of completely explodes one thing i do wish the film would have done though because and normally they'll do this all the time is they'll they'll plant that seed at the very beginning right so you know if like the girl goes into the police thing and like the you know the cop is uh, teaching her partner like okay well with a grenade you know the inside is comprised of this and so if you ever oh, need yeah. to defuse it like blah 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 because i'm not a military dude i don't know dick about weapons and so it kind of took me a minute to i was like okay wait he threw a grenade and and but apparently it's super easy to defuse but i'm still supposed to be scared of it but then he, he fucked it up and killed himself and it was just kind of like Again, as I was watching it, I was like, what the fuck is he doing with the grenade? And then by the end of it, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a little more intricate than I was expecting. I would have been fine if it just blew up in his pits. <laughs> I, yeah, I really right. would have. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it was one of those trying a little too hard to find a creative way to kill the bad guy. But I do like the fact that, yeah. you know, Wilford Brindley is saved by alcoholism. Yeah, he... <laughs> well okay so hold on we gotta we gotta backtrack just a scotch here okay and that is and that is uh the moment where lance henriksen has the girl hostage oh, yeah. right yeah 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 <laughs> right before that and and so <laughs> she's basically got his gun he's got the oh, girl hostage yes. jean claude's right in front of him and, and he's telling the girl like load my gun load my gun and she looks at jean claude who gives her like 
a very, very confident nod like, yeah, girl, I got this. Go ahead and do it. And so as she loads it, we get a very drawn out sequence. And then his big plan is revealed where he just charges straight at him right. with no weapons whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, they set it up like it's going to be this huge, clever scheme. Yep. And it amounts to just, ah! Yeah. Leroy Jenkins! Yep. It's, yeah, it's just that. <laughs> it's like, that's your big plan, charging at him with your with your arms up like a bear? Yep. yep. Well, you know, I Don't will worry. say, I actually have this in my notes that Hendrickson makes it super sexual because he just goes, <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I thought that's where Jason was taking it. Right. <laughs> Load my gun. And she's like, can I, oh, daddy? Oh. And then John Clyde guys, down, like, Guys, all it. he says is, load me. He never mentions yeah. the gun. <laughs> but it's the way. Yeah, it is so weird yes. and creepy. It switches to slow motion. The, the way she's like fondling the bullet, yeah. you know, as it's the ammunition as it's coming out of his uh, bandolier or whatnot. Yeah, it's very, very yeah. sexual. In the in, in the original version, when she looks up at him and he gives him the nod, that's when the porn music comes in. <laughs> yeah. And now it's sexy time. Oh, I would yeah. love to see that edited in ways of uh, <laughs> She does take her sweet. Only why don't you uh, Why don't you reach in my pants and get my balls? She does take her sweet ass time though. Maybe because they do show him kind of running before she actually drops it into his uh, barrel. Yeah, maybe, but still, I can't believe that was his big. I'm gonna just kick the <laughs> shit out of him because fuck. I'm just gonna run at him. Normally, you know, he'd look over. There'd be like a two by four that was set up by a barrel that's next to the thing. So, you know, you touch that. Basically, like some elaborate mousetrap yep. thing, right? You knock this over, it knocks that over, it starts the fire, Jason. burns the rope, Jason. the bag falls on his head. Are you that, that's how you do that. Are you describing Home Alone 2? I'm telling you, this is, this is Home Alone 2, Lost in the Bayou, dude. Or... I'm never going to escape this. You're never going to escape this. So the flamethrower comes down on Lance Hendrickson's head. He goes, ah, and then he falls through the floor <laughs> onto Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern's there for no reason. Then he's got a dude, I would have loved for Van Dam to say, come and get me, you horse's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, you filthy animal. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then uh, everyone's alive. Hendrickson is dead. End of movie. We made it to the end of Hard Target. And as you know, guys, yes. I do have a segment in this show after I'm done going through a movie uh, where I do it, you know, I do a little homage to one of the characters in the movie. And it's a segment that I like to call Quick Impressions. Y'all are more than welcome to do one. So this is a segment I like to call Quick Impressions. <clears throat> hello what are you doing give me this gun take care of, take care of all bad guy give me this gun give me this gun there you go <laughs> um, that was the worst <laughs> was like, no no that was good Ryan dude if you're gonna save this thing now's the time dude <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Do, uh, you did a, you, all right. Well, at least give us at least give us some. And you Lance do actually Hendrickson do a good Van Damme. It doesn't have you to be the You did a decent Creole. Van Damme type voice. I heard it earlier. You did. did a, you, you did, do did a good Van Damme. Try that one. I I, I don't even know it. Yeah. Oh. Say know. um. Say coming. Say Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. Load me. <laughs> Load me with dialogue. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> my just make it my initial juicy. impression was just gonna be me going. Load me. 
<laughs> or Ryan, you can split the difference. Now, see here, you got to load me, meow. Load me up, meow. <laughs> well, guys, as you know, I do rate these movies by my favorite mustaches. We have the Fu Manchu, full Fu Manchu recommendation. We have the walrus mustache recommendation, which is pretty damn good. We have the horseshoe mustache recommendation, which is eh, not bad. And then we have the Hitler mustache recommendation, which is burn this movie in hell. I never want to see it ever again. Uh, <laughs> Jason, we'll go with you first. What, what would you give this uh, as a rating? I'm going to give this a full-on walrus. Okay. And, not, and that's not just because when I picture a walrus, he has a Wilford Brimley mustache. Wilford Brimley uh, is the walrus. He is the walrus. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a totally solid movie. Um, you know, it it is kind of one of those movies, you know, we talk about sometimes certain movies don't lend themselves to being broken down as much. Uh, so, you know, this is going to be one of those movies that's, uh, you know, sit back, you know, grab a beer, whatever you like to get into, just kind of enjoy it for the ride. You know, feel free to kind of check your phone on the slower parts and enjoy it. But, you know, we need those films just as much as we need the deep artsy shit. So walrus stash. Oh yeah. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, in the same camp with the Walrus Dash. I like this movie. Um, it wasn't perfect. I, you know, I wouldn't even recommend it, but it's solid. I enjoy it personally. And yeah, Jason's right. Maybe it is a lot to do with nostalgia and being in that sweet pocket. I was 13 years old when this movie came out. So I am like, I think right in that sweet spot of the demographic they were probably going for. Definitely. You know what I mean? Where... You know, I was thirteen of... years old when this film <laughs> Sus- came out. Suspension, you little <laughs> suspension of disbelief. You know, you just kind of put everything on the back burner and uh, go with it and, and enjoy a man riding a motorcycle, blowing up traffic uh, I, cones. Yeah. And, and things, I so. guys, this is going to be a a straight walrus movie. I give this also a full walrus uh, recommendation, oh. and I actually do. I think if you are anyone that loves any kind of action movie, you deserve to watch this movie if you haven't seen it before. And like Jason said, yes, there might be some times where you need to go get yourself a beer, you know, I don't know, go get you some pills that maybe <laughs> I don't know. And then <laughs> pack your bowl up, grab yeah, your pills, whatever, whatever you, just, you got, whatever you like to put in your body, and then you know, catch up on the movie. Just don't <laughs> miss the last thirty minutes because that's when shit's about to pop up. That's when the trap shit happens. So <laughs> yes, I do give it the full uh, walrus recommendation. Now, uh, guys, thank you so much for being part of the show. Do y'all have anything to plug for the show? Season two of Esoterica Cinema coming at you live soon. When I don't know when this is going to drop. <laughs> this will this will definitely be in no this will be in May. Coming, this will come out in May. At this some will, point, yeah. Okay, well, you got a minute. It's then. always. Yeah, you're somewhere uh, somewhere in the nether regions between season one and season two as you're listening to this, uh, if you're still listening to this. So uh, season uh, two coming at you. Go back to I was going to say, do y'all have any one. recommendations for your season one that you think would be a good start if, for people that may not have heard your show before? Uh, start, so it took us a few episodes to get the get the ball rolling. I'd say we hit our stride at uh, you know episode nine ish, okay. and uh, go from there, well, dude. I'll I'll just go one step further and say just work your way backward, man. So that's good. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. G-J. And look, so to a certain degree, the the films do kind of dictate the vibe, right? So when we do, so like we closed with Willy's Wonderland, and that's like a heavy genre film. So you know we're totally okay just. 
being silly, making a crap ton of jokes. Right, but right. we've also looked at films like Paths of Glory and The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Films. Yeah, so you know, those episodes are gonna be a little less comedy heavy, but we at handle no with point reverence. Do we go stuff. like full like uh you know, NPR pretentiousness, yeah. you know. And we do have our sketch and we and the other thing too I'll tell you guys is uh the one thing I'd like to plug is go check out our sketches, man. I you know, uh, they're some people like certain sketches more than others. Some of them are fake commercials. Some of them are sketchy sketches. Some of them have more production or less production. But uh, so, for example, like our most recent one is uh, I just did a uh, I just did a theme song for Charles Cheesies, uh, which is my version of Willy's Wonderland, where you know uh, a murderous animatronic robot sings a fun kid song, right? <laughs> and then uh, before that was I think Ryan, uh, you had Vincent Gallo Winery. Um, where Vincent Gallo is uh, selling you uh, some some of his fantastic wine, you know, with subtle notes of anger and frustration, things like that, right? Um, and yeah, so and just go back, you know, some of them are musical, some of them are fun. Uh, my personal favorite one, and then Ryan, I'll let you take your favorite one. I'm going to tell you, go check out this is this is this is my favorite one that I did. Uh, go check out my crap a shoes. Uh, it's it's the it's the episode that we look at paths of glory and high and low. Crap issues is my favorite sketch. Ryan, what's the favorite sketch that you've done? I think I know. I think flippers uh, yeah, from the lighthouse. Definitely. Yeah, mermaid strip club. Uh, yeah. In regards to Robert Pattinson graphically fucking a mermaid in that movie, we couldn't well, let that the, go. The best thing about it is, you know, it, uh, Daniel, have you seen the lighthouse? I have. Yes. Okay, so you know, uh, you know, uh, Willem Dafoe's Hark yes. monologue. Ryan does that. Ryan <laughs> oh, takes the Hark monologue and spins it as an advertisement for his strip club that he owns. Oh, yeah. As a crazy fisherman that kind of sounds I like Mr. It. Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> little so, yeah, uh, so, little heads um, up, uh, probably around this time, actually, while this is uh, about to drop, we had it animated, that sketch. And uh, we'll, yeah. be re- we'll be releasing that here very soon if it's not is already Is it on released, a YouTube so. or? Yeah, uh, we're going to put it on all the social media okay. outlets probably. And, uh, going into season two, we're going to have a bigger web presence. That's one thing we're working on, uh, YouTube and, and website. And, uh, so you'll start to find more and more information coming out about us soon. In the meantime, uh, you can check us out on Instagram, uh, at esoterica cinema, as well as on Twitter. Uh, our link trees are on both and, uh, you can find us everywhere. Podcasts are excellent. Played. Yeah, and then if you guys want to follow us individually, Ryan's at the Ryan Siebold. I'm at Jason Aberrant. Excellent. And uh, just uh, I don't really have too much to plug other than the fact I was on the Grind Bin recently. They just released an episode um, called "It's on." It's co- we're covering Malibu Express, the 1985 Malibu Express. It's just a well, it's a boob movie. Let's face it. Um, but you know what? It's a damn good time. <laughs> Russ yep, Myers. there's a hell of a mustache in there. And also was on the Bloody Bits podcast or the Bloody Bits Horror Show. And we happen to also cover uh, Willie's Wonderland. So you can get a little bit of different uh, perspectives of what that movie was. Um, ours, I'd like to hear that, actually. I, yeah, I want to yeah, hear your take on that. probably way more j- just janky jokes and just pervert shit, to be honest. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't know. Uh, I'd actually go toe-to-toe with you All on right, the jank. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. <laughs> um, but yeah, and um, also in our link tree for uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram, look for the Discord. I'm more, I'm getting a few more people coming through, but I would love to have some more people chatting on the Discord. We have all kinds of channels covering all kinds of shit, from video games to working out to movie suggestions and all kinds of shit like that. All right, guys, 
thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Absolutely love talking about this movie with y'all. Thanks for having us. Yeah, dude, it is so much fun, man. Thanks for having us. We'll have to have you on sometime. Work out something for uh, getting you on season two and get you. In Hell yeah, I can't wait, guys. Uh, well, till next time, y'all. Check y'all later. Bye. Thank you to all the mustachiosos out there supporting the show. Interact with the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and now Discord. Just click on the link in the show notes. If you really love the show, visit the shop on Bonfire and get yourself a t-shirt. Mustachio Podcastio is the weird uncle of the Podmoth Media Network.